Good day. You're tuned into Free City Radio. Uh, thanks for listening. It is the 3rd of August, and I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for uh, taking the time to tune in. Uh, today on the program, I wanted to feature a documentary, a uh, radio documentary that I worked on in 2002. This was actually the first uh, documentary uh, for radio, uh, community radio specifically, that I ever worked on. And uh, the reason I wanted to share it today uh, is because um, this documentary surrounds um, struggles for the land and justice of the Sukwakmik people. Um, this is um, an area in today uh, what is known as British Columbia. Of course, that name is being challenged vigorously right now, uh, given its colonial orientation. Um, the people of the Sukwakmik Nation have been defending their land for generations. Uh, I traveled there in 2002 uh, in the context of their efforts to challenge a corporate ski resort, which was trying to expand uh, the ski runs onto some traditional mountains that have been very important for the livelihood of the Sukwakmik people around um, gathering of um, holy medicines, um, traditional plants, uh, berries, harvesting, um, you know, all sorts of uh, materials uh, for their nation, um, also for hunting. I think it's very important to hear these perspectives. I was able to speak with some elders from the community, including the late Wolverine, uh, about um, Indigenous sovereignty, but also about the Sukwakmik people. Um, I also wanted to highlight this because this is, of course, one of the communities directly touched by the Kamloops Residential School. Uh, I visited in 2002 and actually was taken by members of the Indigenous community to go to the residential school and, and visit it. And I remember them talking about how this was the last residential school uh, closed in 96-97, uh, 1996-97, um, obviously very recent. Um, and it's been, you know, generations, uh, both when the school was open and after, of uh, Indigenous people demanding justice for uh, the genocidal practices of the residential school system more generally, but specifically of the Kamloops Residential School where mass graves have been uncovered. So um, I'm sharing this documentary in this context. Um, this was, uh, of course, produced in 2002. So I'll just get into it. It's one hour long. You hear a lot of different voices uh, in this program. Uh, so thanks for tuning in to Free City Radio, a podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday. Um, this is, of course, the 3rd of August, 2021. I'm Stefan Christoph, and um, I'll talk to you next week. You're listening to Resistance Without Reservation, a radio documentary about the Sequaquilt Protection Center, produced at CKUT Radio in Montreal. The Sequaquilt are an Indigenous nation located near what is commonly known as Kamloops, British Columbia. The traditional lands of the Sukwakmik people are currently going through a process of modern-day colonization, 
at the hands of Sun Peaks Ski Resort, which is rapidly and illegally expanding upon the traditional territory of the Sukukmik people, with the sanction of the provincial government of British Columbia. Sukukwalt means Alpine Mountain in the language of the Sukukmik people. The Sukukmik lands are unceded indigenous territory in British Columbia, a province of which the vast majority of lands remain unceded to this day. In October of 2000, the Sukukmik people established the Sukukwalt Protection Center to resist the expansion of Sun Peak Ski Resort, illegally occupying Sukukmik land. Sun Peak Ski Resort can basically be defined as a Four Seasons playground for the rich, which includes a massive ski resort, an 18-hole golf course, cross-country ski runs, many corporate hotels, and thousands of condominium units. Despite the vocal opposition made by the Sukukmik people against the expansion of Sun Peak Ski Resort throughout its development, with the help of the provincial government of British Columbia, the massive Sun Peaks expansion continues and can be looked at as a clear example as the continuing colonization and genocide waged against indigenous people throughout Turtle Island. Janice Billy of the Sukukmik Nation is one of the spokespeople for the Sukukwalt Protection Center. I had a chance to drive through Sun Peaks Ski Resort while Janice commented on the Sun Peaks development and the Sukukmik resistance to it. Janice speaks about how Sun Peaks Ski Resort has played a severe role in the environmental destruction of the indigenous lands on which Sun Peaks Ski Resort is based. Janice Billy also comments on the Sun Peaks Resistance Movement and the growing support throughout the world for the Sequaquelt Protection Center. Janice Billy. All of this is our traditional area that we've never sold or signed or leased or anything. And the, the um, provincial government gave Sun Peaks leases without informing us, without our consent. And they also sold land as fee simple to all this development without our consent or our knowledge. And they're still trying to sell land. But they eventually hope to get 8,000 skiers per day. And how would that affect things? Oh, that would be just devastating for this, you know, fragile mountain environment. Our elders are really concerned about the water. Like they said, with all these toilets flushing, the washing and everything, like where does the sewage go to and where does the water come from to, you know, maintain all these buildings up here? spoke about earlier that a lot of this area um, is home to medicinal plants. Yes, this was one of the elders say this Todd Mountain up here was one of our um, richest medicine areas because the best medicines come from the high alpine areas, the most powerful medicines, and also our root foods. Our people would come up here and they would camp and they would get their whole year's supply of roots here that they use throughout the winter. Like they would dig them and they would move further up, keep going up the mountains until they had enough for to last. Because that's what we had to do. We had to preserve our food for the long winter months. And even today, even though we live on reserves and we buy quite a bit of our food from town, we still live on our wild meats, our deer meat, salmon, uh, fish, moose, berries, roots, and uh, medicines. We still get them off the lands. What do you think of all these houses, this development? Well, we certainly don't want it here. Like I said, it's, it's a high mountain alpine area and it should be protected and left as mountain area, not as a city in the mountains. Because these people could live anywhere, like in cities, but 
to have all this, you know, destruction in the mountains is not good for, for anybody. Most of these houses are actually owned by investors, like it's their vacation homes, like investors from the States, Florida, Washington, Vancouver, Lower Mainland. It's actually just their vacation homes. They actually live somewhere else. So I don't think it's the average person from Kamloops who could um, afford to buy up here. These houses are about 400,000 maybe. So a lot of these houses have been developed in the last couple of years? Yes, this is, it's just an amazing expansion just in the last three, four years that these, that these uh, places have come up. And how they got the land is the province is selling it to Sun Peaks and uh, Sun Peaks is selling it to developers against, again, against our wishes because it's not their land to sell the province, but they're still selling it. How is that justified by the province? Well, they say they, say they have 100% control of the lands. They 100% control and jurisdiction over the lands, what they call crown lands in the province, but we're saying, no, you don't because we didn't sign treaties, we didn't sell it, we didn't sign it away and we still own the land and it's been challenged in the courts and we've won small victories in certain court cases but the, in the Supreme Court but the province still refuses to, uh, to recognize. Janice comments on the history of Sun Peak Ski Resort and speaks about the ongoing massive development which is continuing despite the absolute disagreement and vocal opposition of the Sukhumuk Nation. Janice Billy. When the resort first started, it was called Todd Mountain, and it was a small little resort. There was just this one, one ski hill up here, which is not used anymore. There was just one ski hill, and there was just a little row of cabins, these cabins up here. See that row of cabins? And another little row over there. And then they had a day lodge where people could rent their skis, and nobody really stayed overnight. They just skied for the day, and they went home. But now they have this massive development uh, hotel, seven hotels and 14 restaurants, and uh, they're planning a big housing complex. So that's what uh, we're opposed to, is the massive development going on in this resort, which is our traditional food gathering area. First of all, it's in our 1862 Nisconleth Douglas Reserve, which is over a million acres, and it's also within our traditional territory that we use for hunting, picking, gathering medicines, and spiritual purposes. So this development is going to have a tremendous impact on our, and already is having a tremendous impact on our way of life in this area, just because of the sheer numbers of people they hope to eventually have 8,000 skiers per day. Right now they have about 2,000. And they also want to create a year-round resort so people would be going out, not just here at the ski resort, but out in the outline areas year-round in all four seasons, doing activities like the four-wheel drive biking and uh, hiking and snowmobiles. Snowmobiles are really bad in the winter. They go all to the outline areas and snowmobile which is all in, you know, an animal habitat area. So the big thing they want to do is create a four-season four resort. This is all our traditional area, hey, where we hunted and fished and picked berries and trap. Uh, my, my mother-in-law, Irene Bailey, her grandfather's trap line was up here. So you can see it's a huge development. There's also expansion to an 18-hole golf course which is right along the creek and you know, all the chemicals they spray in a golf course goes directly into the creek. 
and there's the ski hills up there you can see the ski hills and we're just getting into the center of the village here so it really affects the wildlife and the, the natural habitat yeah just... especially I guess the stuff you know that they spray in the golf courses and that they spray on the ski hills too like the artificial snow making so if they were to turn it into like a four seasons resort it would furtherly devastate things yes it would because it's just you know it's too much activity for a, a sensitive alpine mountain area and should be left as you know mountain area for the animals and everything that plants and, and the people that use it you know we don't mind people coming and doing activities that are friendly to the environment like hiking you know and here's the mountain right here Mount Morrissey on this side that they just developed into the ski runs this year and that was a traditional hunting place up until two years ago our people hunted up there and now we can't get up there because uh, they trenched the road with these great big huge trenches and vehicles can't even get up there anymore this is the center there's seven hotels they just built a new Delta Hotel which we're asking people to boycott Delta hotels we're being colonized because they're refusing to accept that we have land rights and they're devastating our way of life by saying when we come out and we protest and we assert our land rights we get injunctions that ban us from these places they want to keep us on re our reserves like even when we're out and I guess in destroying our lands like for our traditional way of life so it's all part of the colonization process and in the process they're using some of our elected chiefs to to get their support and say well these chiefs are supporting us it's just a small group of people that are that are opposed to us so they use that whole system of um, control over us the indigenous resistance to sun peak ski resort has received attention throughout the world and has been a source of inspiration for many as a defining point in the fight for Indigenous sovereignty. The Sequoia Protection Centre is one of the many faces of Indigenous resistance to Sun Peak Ski Resort. Currently in its seventh location, just outside of the entrance to Sun Peak Ski Resort, it serves as a constant reminder of the true caretakers of the land on which Sun Peaks is built. For the Sequoia Nation, Sun Peaks Ski Resort is simply seen as an occupier of indigenous territory of the Sequoia Nation. Irene Billy, an elder of the Sequoia Protection Center, comments on the Protection Center, its history, and its direct relationship to creating and building awareness to the genocidal expansion of Sun Peaks Ski Resort. Irene Billy, like many other Indigenous people who have been actively resisting Sun Peak Ski Resort, have been criminally charged for their involvement in the Sukwukmik resistance to Sun Peak Ski Resort. Irene Billy. My name is Irene Billy. I'm the elder of the Sukwukmik Protection Center, and I'm the Sukwukmik tribe, Shushwap Nation. I'm of the Adams Lake Indian Band. And uh, why we're up here in Skulkwakult Protection Center, it means just what it says, Skulkwakult Protection Center. Uh, this all started November the 4th, 1998, when Okubo and his Japanese Nippon Cables delegates Darcy Alexander and Al Rain and the Sun Peaks delegates, Delta Hotel and the Sun Peaks delegates, 
came to our reserve November the 4th, 1998. They came to our reserve for uh, what is called prior to consent. Uh, November the 4th, and uh, there was a whole three bands, three chiefs there, Chief uh, Felix Arnoux, Chief Art Manuel, Chief Ron Jules. When uh, these three big corporations came and spoke of uh, development and expansion, and the whole hall of us uh, natives said no, no expansion, no development. So we thought they'd go with that. You know, when there's a piece of land, uh, nothing should have been touched until we give consent. So uh, 201, this is our third year up here. Uh, we heard uh, they were gonna go through developing and uh, expanding. That's why we are up here, protesting the development and the expansion. The $70 million hotel is up now, and I see they gouged out one sacred mountain we had where our grandfathers used to come up and pray and fast for three days. That's all gouged out. And lately, within the past two months, I have had people offering to see how pure the water is that's flowing out of Sun Peaks, and I'll tell you it's not very pure. If you can get down there and see the cesspool that's pouring into clean little McGillivray Creek, you will believe me. And soon, soon I'll be going to court January 10th to get sentenced. But I'm going to tell my lawyers that I want to speak for myself. What are you being charged with? Uh, we're charged with a, a discrimination because we didn't move from where they wanted us to move from Camp 2, where I was arrested from. That was Crown land until two weeks before I was arrested. Sun Peaks leased the land, and I don't think that's very right, because we moved on the land. In 10 months, we lived there before they, we were pushed away again. But all in all, to all of this, I think uh, the big corporations of Sun Peaks, Delta Hotel, and uh, Okubo, to all of this, they defied the UN law. They said to ask the Indians first before they do anything, and we did. When there's uh, something wrong with the land, nothing should have been touched until we give a consent, but they didn't, they're just going right on ahead. To me, this, this is defying the UN, the UN law. And the UN is the council of the world. They're the counselors of the world and that they should follow the UN law. How is Sun Peaks affecting native people here? They have treated us very malicious. They have uh, tried to, I think I'd call it uh, sanitizing sun peaks of natives. And uh, that's why we're up here trying to prove our point that we still own the land. You know, I have told many lawyers and many people that when they came to our land, other than uh, natives here, 
that when they came to our land, they came in dirty and hungry and thirsty, and they knelt down in our cool, crystal clean creeks and rivers and streams and drank from there. But today, as you will see and you will notice, anywhere that you'd get the water checked, you'd find pollution, polluted water. And to this day, that's what's happened. All our waters are being polluted, and especially the water from Sun Peaks. And where this uh, Okubu and uh, Sun Peaks are trying to take over another piece of land we call Malvern Creek, that land up there is beautiful. It's virgin lands and virgin waters, and the waters are still pure where you can just go and stop the car anywhere and kneel down and drink from that water. Yet, we're in both places. We go to Melbourne Creek and this, and we get visitors from there to here, and we go from here to there. Why do you think it's important that people throughout Canada, throughout the world, support people here who are resisting Sun Peaks? Well, I think it's very important because uh, when I went to Europe, the main question was, uh, why does Canada refuse to admit that Canada is Indian land? Why is it that they're refusing to admit? Maybe it's for dollars, maybe they're scared to share their dollars with us. You know, why is it they're so scared to admit that Canada is Indian land? Because Canada is Indian land. And I am the people of Canada. I make a joke of it in uh, Switzerland. I says, I'm FBI. Oh, are you FBI? Yeah, I says, I'm full-blooded Indian, silly. <laughs> yeah, I was over there two weeks, and that's the question was in every presentation I made is, why is Canada so afraid to admit that Canada is Indian land? because it is Indian land. I always was here and I'll always be here. I'll always be here. Do you feel that the resistance against Sun Peaks is important in illustrating the fact that Canada is native land? Yes, uh, I do. Of course, uh, I can see their point, them making money, eh? And us uh, resisting up here, they're losing a little bit of money. You know, they don't want to admit they're losing money, but I know for a fact that they are. And uh, I don't know, it's quite harsh living up here. This is our third year up here. And I hope this year something will turn out and become a better year for us and the rest of my native brothers and sisters because we are trying to save our land, eh? We are trying. Can you speak a little bit about yourself? About myself? Yeah. What is your history? Well, I can tell you, genocide's been with me since I was six and a half years old when they took me away from my mother and dad and threw me into the Kamloops Indian Residential School. They took my language, they took my culture. Now I have to learn my language all over again and I'm not doing a bad job of it. And uh, that's genocide. Everything that Sun Peaks has done to us, all the malicious acts, 
shouldn't have been done to us because we are the people of the land. They should know that. And uh, genocide is exactly what's been done to being done to us to this very, very day. Genocide is. Do you feel that Sun Peaks, the expansion of Sun Peaks, its existence is genocidal? Well, for one thing, yes, it's genocidal. They haven't paid the natives a penny for their pillow in the past 70 years. They have not paid nothing. They're just walking over the natives. And in time, somebody out there is going to tell them. It's genocide. Perfectly. 100% genocide. In 1862, Governor Douglas of British Columbia and Chief Nisconlith of the Sukhumuk Nation created the Nisconlith Reservation, which counts for one million acres of land throughout the interior of British Columbia. Soon after the deal for this reservation was signed, the land of the Nisconlith Reservation was illegally seized without the consultation of the Sukhumuk Nation, the indigenous people of the land. Sun Peak Ski Resort is located right in the middle of the 1862 Nisconlith Reservation. Despite the 1862 establishment of the Nisconlith Reservation, which is documented by the Sukhumuk Nation, the expansion of Sun Peak Ski Resort onto this indigenous territory continues. Arthur Manuel, the former chief of the Nisconlith Nation, comments on the 1862 Nisconlith Reservation and the larger issue of land claims for indigenous people throughout Turtle Island. Arthur Manuel. Can you speak about the Nisconlith Reservation? First, can you explain the Nisconlith Reservation and, and then talk about how that relates to Sun Peaks and its development and the resistance to Sun Peaks? Yeah, well, Nisconlith Indian Reserve was created in uh, 1862 by Chief Nisconlith and Governor uh, James Douglas, and it was uh, basically a self-supporting Indian Reserve. The uh, governor back then uh, wanted to secure some secure passage for uh, settlers through this area, and uh, they decided that they couldn't provide a, a, a treaty, so what they did was they asked Chief Nisconlith to establish a self-supporting Indian Reserve, and he did that. And the, the region is, is a very substantive. It's in about a million acres in, uh, in size. Uh, and uh, after it was established, a guy in the provincial government by the name of Joseph Trutch wanted to reduce it, and uh, Governor Douglas retired in 1864, and Trutch took over not as governor but as the land uh, manager. And he wound up uh, reducing the reserve unilaterally in 1866. And that uh, resulted in uh, an ongoing battle on our part to try to have the government recognize the establishment of the, of the existing reserve. And we made a, a specific claim to the, to the Canadian government. Uh, that was rejected because they argued that the Indian Reserve had not been created. And uh, that is wrong. Subsequently, cases like the Ross River case came out and said that the reason basically given by the federal government that our reserve was not created was not legitimate, that every reserve had to be considered on a case-by-case basis, and that the reserve, as far as we were concerned, was created, and that uh, it was illegally reduced 
And what we basically need to do is have the government recognize that. And so that's a big part of the struggle. And Sun Peak Ski Resort is in the center of our Indian Reserve. Can you speak about the criminalization attempts, the court systems and the RCMP and how these arms of the provincial and federal government are being used to criminalize this movement? What the government is doing is that they're using existing law, law that did not take into contemplation the full depth and scope of Aboriginal title. And they're using those laws against our people. And uh, the thing is, is that they use the, the, the RCMP and the courts, and they use provisions inside the legislation that they accuse our people of violating. But people who believe that they own the land can't be charged with trespass, because the only way you can be charged with trespass is if you had no proprietary interest at all. And uh, that's the big argument that's going on in the courts right now about color of right. Do Indigenous people have a color of right in the sense that they believe full-heartedly that they own the land? And uh, those are the cases that we're bringing before the court. Basically, what the politicians are doing, and basically what the Attorney General Jeff Plant's doing, is he's trying to use the RCMP in the court to enforce provincial law against people who have a legitimate property competition against his interests, you know? And so he's using force, armed force, and you're trying to use the judicial system in a way that those systems were not intended to be used. They were intended to be used between Canadians, ordinary Canadians, against ordinary Canadians on these issues, you know. But when it's talking about Indigenous issues, it adds the, the dimension of Aboriginal title, and that just is not being done. And I think it's a real fallacy, and we're never going to stand up to it. Uh, what's going on is the same thing that went on in Ontario with regard to Dudley George, where the Premier called on the police to use armed force against uh, the people there, and, and Dudley George, unfortunately, was killed in that confrontation. Beverly Emanuel, an organizer active with the Sequoquemec resistance to Sun Peak Ski Resort, speaks about the Sequoquemec Protection Center and its essential role in providing a constant presence and political pressure which illustrates the absolute rejection of the Sequoquemec Nation to the ongoing expansion of Sun Peak Ski Resort. Beverly Emanuel. My name is Beverly Manuel. I'm a Sikwapma from the Shushop Nation, and I'm an Escalante band member, which is one of the 17 bands in the Shushop Nation. And we're the Sun Peak Ski Resort. That's on our 1862 Nascala Douglas Reserve and within our unceded Sikwapma territory. And we've established a camp up there to show our opposition to the Sun Peak Ski Development in the fall of 2000. And the camp is still there. We call it the Skolkwakul Protection Center. We've established that camp, and different community members, supporters have been going up and staying at the camp. And we've been going up there quite a while and handing out information to let the public know how that development affects the traditional hunting ground, the medicine gathering areas. Can you talk about how you feel the Sun Peaks expansion, the Sun Peaks Ski Resort, relates to ongoing genocide or colonization of Indigenous peoples, both within this area, British Columbia, and throughout Canada? Well, 
our people have always, you know, used the land, uh, the territory for surviving, and it sustained our people for generations, the mountains, the land, the water. And in the late 1800s, these reserves were established. And after the reserves were established, we had to have passes. Our people had to have passes to leave the reserve. And they also banned traditional ceremonies. We used to grow really good produce here, or, you know, vegetables and that. And they even came up with a ban to ban us from selling our produce. So they kind of destroyed our whole economic system with their laws. And you learn so much from being on the land because you get to know things firsthand, your experience. But when, you know, when people just stay on the reserves or leave the reserves and go to the city, you know, that's genocide for not being able to live on your land freely because that's where, you know, all the knowledge comes from. And I can see the elders, like, how happy they are when they're teaching the young people about the things that they know. And that's how our knowledge gets passed on, is oral traditions, oral knowledge. I spoke to Beverly Manuel about the destruction, not only of the natural environment throughout the Indigenous lands currently occupied by Sun Peaks Ski Resort, but also of the destruction of a Sequoctmik home, the home was built by many members of the Sequoia Nation on traditional territory in 2001. The home became a symbol of Sequoia resistance to Sun Peak Ski Resort, built to house the family of Nicole Manuel, active with the Native Youth Movement. The day the construction of Nicole Manuel's home was finished, it was destroyed by bulldozers hired by Sun Peak Ski Resort. Beverly Manuel speaks about the destruction of this Sequoia home and the ongoing criminalization of those resisting Sun Peak Ski Resort. Beverly Manuel. Within the last couple of years, we saw at Sun Peaks the destruction of log cabin, different sweat lodges, different traditional gathering places, and the complete blockade of your people from being allowed to enter the land through court injunctions, so on. How do you think these events illustrate that genocide is happening today? For example, we have built homes, built homes for our families, and, you know, home is just a basic need. It's your shelter. What, you know, everyone in this world needs to survive. And when there was a house built up at McGilvery Lake and Sun Peaks has I think, a recreation lease in the McGilvery Lake area and a home was built there, uh, the elders went up and they helped the young people build two sweat lodges, which are very ceremonial places for our people. And when those sweat lodges were built, some of the young people, is the first time they ever have experienced going into a sweat lodge. So that was done last year, year 2001. And the day that the foundation was laid to build that house, uh, BC Asset and Lands Corporation gives out grants, licenses to corporations or to people who want to develop in their traditional territory. And they went up there that day and they issued a, a trespass notice to our people, we were issued a trespass notice for trespassing on our own own land. <laughs> uh, but the young people, they just kept on building. They said, this is our land, we're going to keep on building. And when the building was, was taking place, um, helicopters would fly by. Every day, helicopters would fly by, and that's genocide. You know, you're living on your own land, and, you know, you're having all these threats to your life. Because that is a threat, you know, this is helicopters flying over, this is here, and 
you know, they talk about wars and different things happening in other places of the world, and it's happening right here. From my place right here where I'm sitting right now, it only takes uh, 45 minutes to drive up to there. It's just in our backyard, like it's not, it's not very far at all. And after that trespass notice was issued about a month later, a seizure notice was delivered. But when the government goes and delivers these trespass and seizure notices, they have all the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mount Police, backing them up, these government officials. So, you know, it's the the government, the RCMP and the courts, you know, they're all working together in the corporations. And, you know, here we are, Sukhapmuk people, you know, trying to survive who we are. So, you know, I kind of look at their tactics as, you know, just trying to kill the morale of our people. And we always have to tell ourselves that we have to remain strong. And the elders are really good support, the elders that have been in, involved. So anyway, that seizure notice was delivered, and um, there was young people arrested for that. And the RCMP actually choked one of the young guys, you know, when he was trying to get him in the police car. And, you know, they weren't even really doing anything wrong that day. They just had something to eat, and they were building, and then the government comes in there delivering a seizure notice, saying they're seizing everything. And anyway, after that seizure notice, they couldn't really enforce that seizure notice, so they went to court to get another form of injunction. And that they got the beginning of December of last year, and and then they went in on December 10th. There's another... Uh, Skullcockle Protection Centre, site number three, set up at the east entrance to the Sun Peak Ski Resort. There was a protection centre set up there, and the elders were at that site, and the young people were at McGillbury Lake, and the police came in on, or the government came in on December 10th with that enforcement order. But at that time, we decided to leave because if we stayed and everyone got charged, we'd be in court again, cost more money in legal fees, and we would get a no-go zone restrictions for those areas and we thought well we'll stay out of court because we can do more work you know than being caught up in their court system but it was real bad that day because they said they weren't going to leave but they had to leave and right after they took the elders they just went in there with their big equipment and knocked everything down they took our stuff into storage but and it was a home you know those places are homes for our people and at the McGillivray Lake site, I was there that day. I was quite involved with the building of the Cordwood House. And when they came that day, about six RCMP came on their skidoos with the government official given that enforcement order. And they were going in and out there, and we were singing and we were praying. And the house was all complete, and they were just in there one night while they stayed December 8th. They never had everything there December 9th. It was just set up like a home. Uh, the beds were there, all the kitchen stuff and everything. And when they came, they came in their skidoos from the Sun Peak Ski Resort. It's about five kilometers away. And they were getting really anxious. They just wanted us to make a decision that we're going to leave, but we weren't making a decision right away. We were talking, and they'd come knock on the door and try to get us to hurry up, made them wait, and finally we decided that we'll all leave. None of us will get arrested, because the elders had already made that decision that they weren't going to get arrested. And they came and they read their notice or order for us to leave. And so we had to leave there, and we took everything out of that house that day. 
or what we could, we took what we could, because I have a tinge of hope that you know, maybe that building could stay standing and that we could use it as a cultural center. Anyway, we took what we can, and my daughter and uh, her friend and her son walked out of that cabin, and they were holding their snowshoes, and he's a little teddy bear, and... And that day, they like, you know, you talk about genocide. That was real pure. You can just see that it was just pure genocide that day. The Native Youth Movement is an international network of Indigenous youth who are actively organizing to fight for the preservation of Indigenous lands, heritage and culture in the face of ongoing genocide and colonization. The Native Youth Movement of the Sequoiaq Nation has played a central role in organizing with the Sequoiaq Welt Protection Center. Nicole Manuel of the Native Youth Movement speaks about how the Sun Peaks resistance movement of the Squatmec people relates to the global struggle against the ongoing colonization and genocide waged against indigenous people. Nicole also commented on how the Squatquelt Protection Center represents a new hope for indigenous people in their efforts to fight against the ongoing efforts of the Canadian state to extinguish indigenous communities and cultures. Nicole Manuel. That's what's happening all around the world is, is that big corporations are going in and the government are siding with big corporations that generate money and, and employment for their taxpayers. And they go and they go and bulldoze homes. And this is one thing that I want to stress is that if we don't stand up and do anything, our people will become extinct. We'll become an extinct race. We won't exist. All around the world is all these races that are just holding on to a, a thread, just holding on for their existence. And that's how it is. That's how it is for the Sikhamoch. And the only thing that will ensure our survival is our culture. And our culture is our land. That's what our culture is. You can't have culture in, in the museum or, or culture in a school classroom learning your language. Or you can't have culture sitting in a circle talking about how the residential school has affected us and caused all this dysfunction in our communities or making baskets in a classroom. Our culture comes from our land. That's where our culture is from. In our culture, that's exactly what it is. It's our land. And we need a land base for our exclusive use to ensure our survival as distinct peoples. And that's what Native Youth Movement pushes for, is for our survival. You know, it's not for motivation to get this and to go have fun or recreation. Native Youth Movement is a serious movement of young people determined to save our people from extinction. We're not a club or, or anything like that. We are. We're serious young people. And um, with regards to School Quackwold and up there, we're doing constant work all the time for educating our young people for the need to stand up. And we are not just focusing here in the Sukhamuk chapter, but we have chapters all around the world. We have chapters in Albuquerque and Ganawagi, um, New Zealand, up north with the Gwich'in people and the Yukon. Like all around, we have chapters all around. And this, our goal is we're determined, and I know that we will do it and be full nations once again and strong people. And we know that this is the only hope for our future. It's not here on the reservations or 
with program dollars or anything. Those aren't going to help our people. It comes with us and changing us individually and changing individual ideas about what will help our people. And too much is happening that our people are accepting program dollars from the government and they're just getting sucked deeper and deeper into that whole dependency on the government. But when you don't need them, and we've proved that, we've proved that as young people we don't need that the government or, or the system. We don't need to be dependent on this whole colonial regime because what they're doing is they're just sucking us into that extinction and we won't be here. We won't be here and I just don't want to see the day when if I don't stand up that, that my blood, my great-great-grandchildren will stand up in some public school or some sort of function and say, I'm Canadian. Like those commercials, I am Canadian. That's my worst fear and that's when I know that I didn't do a good job in my lifetime today. I spoke with Smokes, an active member of the Sequoiaq chapter of the Native Youth Movement, on the Sequoiaq Reservation about his involvement in the Sequoiaq Wealth Protection Centre. Smokes. First, could you tell me about the Native Youth Movement and its involvement in the Sun Peaks resistance? Native Youth Movement just trying to keep our land from being destroyed, our homelands, our medicines and our hunting grounds and everything. We're just trying to stop white man's destruction on what they're doing to our to our homes. How is that happening at Sun Peaks, the destruction? They're constantly making new ski runs, they're building new houses all over the place. They want to cover in Morrissey Lake and those lakes up there just so, just so those rich white people can go up there and live and have their enjoyment. All I seen was destruction everywhere I looked, every, on the mountains there's skitter trails going up all over the place everything's just been destroyed up there all the stuff they put into the ground and in the water it's real sad up there being active with the native youth movement what does that mean to you what importance does the native youth movement have to your life it brings pride to be part of something to save something that's ours it's something that can never be taken away from us no matter what they do, they, they can never silence us. Our spirits are too strong for them. That's why they throw us in jail and try to quiet us, but it'll never work for them. They'll never quiet us. I was up at the camp today, and it seems like there's two kind of visions of, of how that land should be used. One, the vision of the people who've been here for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, um, a partnership with nature and the land, and one of expansion and and almost creating a playground. Maybe could you elaborate on those two visions of, of what this land means to people? Land means to our people. That's that's our given right to protect. That's up there is our medicine. There's lots of medicine up there. Our hunting grounds. All of all of the stuff we need to survive as a people is up there. And those corporations that wanna come in, they don't they don't care about that. All they see is money. They're blinded by greed and money, and that's that's all they ever see is money. And that's all they'll ever see, unless it's changed. What do you see in the coming months and years for the Native Youth Movement? Same thing we're doing right now. Protect the land, make more people aware of what's going on, and bring more people into our group, make our circle bigger. That's, that's what needs to happen now. We need We need to wake up. 
everybody needs to wake up and see see what's happening. See our rights are slowly be taken away. Eagle, who is an active member of the Native Youth Movement of the Sequoiaq Nation, has participated in many actions taken against Sun Peak Ski Resort. Eagle commented on his involvement in the direct actions taken by the Native Youth Movement to build a strong opposition against the unjust expansion of Sun Peak Ski Resort. Eagle. Hello, my name is Eagle. And for me, NYM is just a group of sovereign nations, like, or just Native people, native youth from all over Turtle Island. It's just comprised of just a whole bunch of sober nations. But to me, they're just a bunch of youth coming together, trying to come back as one nation again, like as the red people or the native people. They're just basically just a bunch of youth coming together to try to do what they can for their people as far as bringing back the ceremonies, songs, bringing back like the sweats, trying to get their people to come together and gather and as far as the NYM's involvement with the Sun Peaks, the struggle with Sun Peaks, or at Skokweko, they mostly just helped us with stuff like planning on ways that we can get back out on our land and ways that we can set up camps and stuff like that, as far as like food, supplies. They just basically just helped us organize it. Why does the Native Youth Movement feel it's important to get back onto the land to reclaim that land? Because... That's just the way it is. From my understanding, or the stories or information that people passed on to me, was that the Skokwekwilt or the Sun Peaks area is a gathering spot for not only the Skokwekwilt people, but for all different types of nations from all over Turtle Island. They went up to Skokwekwilt or the Sun Peaks area to gather and basically pick berries and gather foods and medicines and stuff like that. There's a lot of medicines up in that area, like real strong medicines. A lot of food, well, there was. <laughs> there still is, but it's starting to get depleted. That spot is basically just a gathering spot for all different nations. I always tell my friends, like, I don't have no kids right now, but one day I plan on having kids, and I would like my children to be able to walk down any trail they want and pick berries wherever they want, get food wherever they want, drink any water they want. As far as like out of any creek or river or body of water, you should be able to drink any water they want without being arrested and thrown in jail. Like the stuff that's happening to people today, all these court cases and stuff that come up, just from us living on our land, just wanting to live. Like we told them they could keep all their Sun Peak stuff, but just to stop the expansion. That's what we were mostly up against. We weren't up against the whole resort. We told them, fine, it's the way it is already. So we wanted the expansion to stop. We told them no several times and they keep it up. They say they consulted us. And I guess according to their laws that that's all they have to do is just consult us. Whether we say yes or no doesn't matter. It's just the fact that they consulted us. Can you talk about some of the actions you've been involved in in opposing Sun Peaks? I was involved in a couple of roadblocks occupation of the BCAL office. BCAL is a government office located in Kamloops, British Columbia. BCAL stands for British Columbia Assets and Lands Corporation. And it's supposedly the government branch that's put in charge of lands located in British Columbia that supposedly crown land. But all crown land is is land set aside for the native peoples. 
so that nobody else can mess around with them. But now they're selling it. British Columbia Asset Lands Corporation, they lease and 10-year crowd lands. And you're not even supposed to be doing that stuff in the first place because that land was set aside for the native peoples to, so that they, we can go and practice our ceremonies and eat and drink and have shelter like in our ways. Because there is still youth and there's still people that even now, they go out and they try living on the land the best that they can. The expansion is not legitimate. It's fronting, it's illegal. Like according to their systems, that British Columbia and Assets Lands Corporation had no rights in the first place to even sell, lease, or even tenure any of the lands, any of the crown lands that, that was supposedly put in their hands. The elders of the Sequakmek Nation have provided much of the leadership for the Sequakwelt Protection Center. The elders of the Sequakmek Nation have been central in providing guidance for the development and the continuation of the Sequakwelt Protection Center and have been front and center in maintaining the camp and participating in the many direct actions organized against Sun Peaks Ski Resort. Sarah, an elder of the Sequakmek Nation, has been actively involved in the resistance movement to Sun Peaks. As the fight against the expansion of Sun Peaks Ski Resort moved forward, a direct action was organized where members of the native youth movement and elders from the Sequakmek Nation occupied the offices of BC Assets and Lands Corporation in Kamloops, British Columbia. BC Assets and Lands Corporation is responsible for leasing the land of the Sequakmek Nation to Sun Peaks Ski Resort without any formal consultation or, or communication with the indigenous people of the lands on which Sun Peaks is based. Sarah speaks about her involvement in the BCAL occupation and her perspectives on the Sequakwelt Protection Center. Why are you involved in fighting Sun Peaks? What are the issues to you? How they affect you and your community? My grandparents and everyone I knew in the past and as I was growing up, and how they talked about our land. My first getting involved in this situation is when I heard that uh, some were going to a demonstration in, in BTEL office. So I thought to myself, well, here goes, because I've heard a lot about it. And I know what it's all about, so I thought I had to get involved. So when that was happening, I went in with the kids, and there was two of us elders in there. Because I knew the situation, I thought, well, I guess this may be the beginning, not maybe, it was, to tell the BTEL that they were signing away our land, just signing it away and leasing it, but we knew that that was the place. So we went and um, had a demonstration in there and sit in in there for as long as we did. And uh, for that reason that I know we have this Douglas claim that was taken a large amount of land by our chief in the Scots. And we know that as our elders talk about it all the time when I was grown up and many other elders my age now know that and so that all that time elders been fighting for it they were not allowed to talk about our land but they still talked about it and that when it come at a certain part of, of the story in our history that we were not even allowed to talk about our land they brush us off and just say, no more, you've got nothing more to do with it. And on and on, no matter what our elders did, our chiefs, our elders that knew about all what was happening to us, 
Indian people in Canada. And when uh, 1862 was when our chief took that land for all of us, these people here is in Esquilinus, Adams Lake, and Little Shushwak. And now these are divided by DIA, and so has it made us weaker now. But we're still the same people, all interrelated from these three bands and also anywhere else in Canada. There's our people anywhere, all over. Wolverine, an elder of the Sequoquemec Nation, has been a familiar face of Indigenous resistance throughout Turtle Island. I spoke to Wolverine about the illegality of Sun Peak Ski Resort, as there has been to this day not one agreement signed between the Indigenous people of the Sequoquemec Nation with Sun Peak Ski Resort or the provincial government concerning the use of their land. Wolverine speaks about the Sequoquemec Protection Center and how the expansion of Sun Peak Ski Resort relates to the continuing genocide waged against Indigenous people by the Canadian state. Wolverine. They're in control because you got the political system, the courts, the enforcement arm, and the media. And the fifth arm being the lawyers. But now we have the sixth arm of the government, and then that deals with the elected people here in our communities, who does the work for the system, for the political people. One remind our real struggle is uh, the grassroots struggle, trying to get the land back. We will try to everything in the justice system that don't work for the native people. How do you feel about treaties, proposed treaties here in British Columbia? The whole thing is based on fraud. It's based on fraud because of the simple reason the people that sit in that negotiating table don't have a right. The province don't have a right because it's not a nation, therefore cannot make agreements. And the elected people don't have a right because... They are civil servants to the federal government. Then, so that, that makes it more of a fraud. Then who is really fooling who here? So when the land issue is held by the nation, by the people in the nation, only when we come together and agree to a treaty can this go ahead. But no one chief has the right because they are civil servants, for one. And it makes it more of a fraud, the federal government is pushing this, because now we have two civil servants negotiating with one another. In terms of people's lives, people in your community, how do you think the provincial government, the federal government, through these treaties, want to affect the way people live and the resources which are on these territories? The resources, uh, we, we should be the, the richest people in the world because all the all resorts come off our territories. If you look at Canada, and all, all, all the buildings that they have on there, they, they sure as hell never brought over from Europe. Everything was taken built right here in this country, built on the backs of the native people. And the people on the outside that's here are gonna hear this. Say, you people think that we are living off your backs. We're not, because the resources, resources are from our nations. You're living off of ours. You should be happy that you'd be living in paradise. How do you feel that the Sun Peaks development uh, and the resistance to it defines the fight against the encroachment on indigenous lands here in British Columbia? Well, we'll have to go back to 1858 in our area. 
when the talks first started with the hereditary chief by the name of Chief Nascones, started talks in the four camps, and that went on to 1861-1862. Finally, the stakes were given to Chief Nascones to stake out the land which he would set aside for the people of this area. That's a huge track land which takes in the Nascones, Adams Lake, and Little Shuswap. These are the three tribes. The Sun Peak itself is right in the middle. So you see, the courts don't want to really look at the law. Then where in the world is the Native people going to find justice from the Just Us Society? Because we have tried all the different courts we tried on the land issue. When you have the system itself that don't want to look at law, then there's no place to go. You have been listening to Resistance Without Reservation, a radio documentary about the Sequoquelt Protection Center of the Sequoquemec Nation. The Sequoquemec are an indigenous nation located near what is commonly known as Kamloops, British Columbia. The traditional lands of the Sequoquemec people are currently going through a process of modern-day colonization at the hands of Sun Peak Ski Resort, which is rapidly and illegally expanding upon the traditional territory of the Sequoquemec people with the sanction and assistance of the provincial government of British Columbia. Sequoquemec means Alpine Mountain in the language of the Sequoquemec people. The Sequoquemec lands are unceded indigenous territory in British Columbia a province of which the vast majority of lands remain on ceded indigenous territory to this day. In October of 2000, the Sequoquemec people established the Sequoquemec Protection Center to resist the ongoing expansion of Sun Peak Ski Resort, which is illegally occupying Sequoquemec land. The indigenous resistance against Sun Peak Ski Resort continues, with support for the Sequoquemec Protection Center gaining momentum throughout the world. To get more information on the Sequoquemec Protection Center, you can call 250-689-3295, or you can mail Sequoquemec Protection Center, P.O. Box 608, Chase, British Columbia, VOE 1MO. You can fax 250-679-5306, email J b-i-l-l-y at mail.ocis.net You can also get updates and information about the Sequoquemec Protection Center at www.vancouver.indymedia.org Resistance Without Reservation was recorded and produced by Stefan Christoph for CKUT Radio in Montreal. To order a copy, call 514-398-6788 or email Christoph at tao.ca